Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Great to have you with me. I am recording this on Monday, September the 19th. And that date is significant because it is the funeral, the date of the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II of England. I got up early this morning, about five o'clock in the morning, to watch the funeral, which of course was six hours ahead in Britain, and was deeply moved by everything I saw. If you've been with me for some years, you know I have great admiration for the Queen of England, the former Queen of England. Seventy years she reigned, and uh, I love her. I've paid attention to her speeches and her influence and uh, avoided most of the popular media sort of presentations, but paid very close attention to who she is and how she led and how she influenced and uh, how she created an upward draw on the monarchs of the world. And I just find her uh, to have been an exceptional woman. I have a picture of her on uh, on the wall of both of my offices here here in D.C. where I'm sitting and also in Nashville. And she's just been a constant inspiration to me. Her sense of humor, her charm, her subtle way of uh, influencing events, um, her tactful way of working and navigating through British politics, etc., etc., etc. And I want to share with you some words from one of the first speeches she ever made. Long before she was a wife or a mother or queen, uh, she gave a speech. Yes, it was probably written for her. uh, But she gave a speech that included a phrase that my literary sense picked up on immediately. (laughs) Probably written by some uh, person who attended Oxford and was steeped in British literature. But she said that uh, we would all do well in our age. We would all uh, survive well, have an impact, be who we are meant to be if we approached events with a high courage and a quiet heart. A high courage and a quiet heart. Now, I want to tell you that these words, ever since I read them, have been deeply influential to me. A high courage, British way of saying great courage, strong courage, valiant courage, And then a quiet heart, a heart that is at peace, a heart that is settled, a heart that in her case, she would say, uh, stands peacefully before God and trusts God for his peace, no matter what the circumstances were. And I'll tell you that uh, every Christmas, part of my family's Christmas tradition has been to watch the Queen's Christmas address. This next one's going to be a bit tender for us because it'll be the first time in my lifetime and certainly in my adult years that I, during which I started this little tradition, uh, be the first time uh, that the Queen will not be giving the address. We'll see what themes uh, Charles III chooses to emphasize. But every Christmas, uh, the Queen would speak. She would speak to her people. She would speak of her faith. Um, It was sweet. And I know people mock her voice and that high British voice and all of that. But I'll tell you what, we have to learn to go beyond such things, beyond accents, beyond voice tone, beyond appearance, um, beyond even past mistakes, and learn what we can from people who are prominent on the world stage. I think it's important. I think it's important uh, to learn from those who are prominent in history, uh, those who are prominent 
prominent on the world stage, I just think it's critical. Now, I have a lot of Republican friends in England, and Republican in England doesn't mean what it does in the United States. In the United States, Republican is a political party, of course. But in England, there are many who believe that the monarchy uh, should be ended and that the that Britain should be a republic, that it should be led by people who are duly elected, who are qualified, who are gifted, who show character and strength and wisdom, uh, and that's how England should be led. And I'm not going to get into a Republican versus monarchist uh, kind of uh, debate right now. Uh, the fact is, there is a monarchy in England, and the fact is that England has been blessed to have Queen Elizabeth II uh, for 70 years be their monarch. And I think that it's interesting that many times it's Americans who are the most devoted to the queen. Every president except for uh, LBJ, Lyndon Johnson, has gone weak at the knees over the queen. They've all loved her, adored her, um, reported later that meeting her was one of the highest times in their lives. And I, I think that we should take a page from this. I think we should learn from this. What I want us to remember uh, is as we go forward in our lives and as she is buried in the next few days, what I want us to remember is something of her legacy. And I think they are captured in those words that I've quoted from that early speech, a high courage and a quiet heart. You know, my Jewish friends have got a way of saying of the dead uh, to honor them, may their memory be a blessing. May their memory be a blessing. In other words, may they have may may they be so recalled that their memory is a blessing, an empowerment, an affirmation, uh, an impartation to generations yet to come. And that's what I want Queen Elizabeth II to be for all of us, but she certainly is that for me. A high courage. I want you to think about what she lived through, uh, not just to exalt her, but so you understand how, what these words what must have meant to her so that they you can understand what they might mean to you. Uh, she was born uh, basically during the Great Depression. Uh, she lived as a teenage girl and a young lady uh, during World War II. She was actually a mechanic, believe it or not, even though she was part of the royal family obviously the daughter of the king. Um, she then became her father, the, the war uh, and his smoking and other uh, issues in his life shortened his life quite a bit. There was a bit of resentment in some of the British royal family that uh, his life was shortened so much by the abdication of Edward VIII, you may recall, who chose to be married to Wallace Simpson rather than be king of England. So George VI became king during World War II. Thank God he did. And so she, Elizabeth, would have been his daughter, of course, during those years, would have been at his elbow, would have been learning monarchical matters during that time, uh, but would have suffered. Uh, she had to be removed from the bombing. Her life was threatened. We now know there were assassination and kidnapping attempts on the part of the Nazis. Uh, she had to face that. She had to face the early death of her father. She had to face early opposition. Imagine being uh, a, a girl in her mid-20s and your first prime minister is Winston Churchill. And just imagine what that would have been like. Um, he adored her, by the way. But um, the point is that she had much to learn. And also, by the way, she, you know, her education had not been all it might have been. Um, she was educated at home. That was wonderful and powerful. But what a queen has to know is vast. And one of the things I admire about Queen Elizabeth II is the way she threw herself into education. And she made self-education a lifelong challenge and became known for her knowledge. Many 
prime ministers. Many of her prime ministers would report that her knowledge of events was beyond that of theirs, that she mentioned places and political intrigues and uh, backbench parliamentarians um, that the prime minister barely knew about. But the queen was up on it, and, she, and uh, the, the royal family and those who served in the palace would say, this is not briefing from some Oxford don. This is her aggressive study, poring over newspapers, reading books, asking questions, yes, occasionally, bringing in experts. And just think about what then she uh, faced throughout her life. Uh, the cultural upheaval symbolized by the 60s, the death of many people. She lived a long life. Anyone who lives long suffers many, many, many deaths. Um, of course, you've, you've seen the movie, I'm sure, The Queen, in which Ellen Mirren uh, portrays the queen during the death of, um, of Diana. This is a little bit stilted, but nevertheless, it gives you some sense of what she had to confront. And still she did it always, she said, with a high courage and a quiet heart. And, I, and I'll tell you, uh, I, I welcome, of course, all of you. I love those of you who are not Christians, who are uh, attentive to this podcast. You mean a great deal to me, especially my Kurdish friends and my friends from the Middle East. And let me just speak to Christians just for a moment. Uh, when we read the book of Revelation uh, and we see the high ceremony, uh, we see that in heaven there are altars and there are songs and there are choirs singing uh, and there are people dressed in certain ways and there's incense and there are just every kind of uh, tool and device. Um, we All of this, I believe, is suggested by the kind of scenes I was watching this morning as I watched uh, the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying God is Anglican. <laughs> of course not. What I am saying, though, is that coded in our souls, if the book of Revelation is any indication, uh, is this longing for heaven, is this eternity in our hearts that is a longing for heaven. And heaven has nobles and elders seated, and it has altars, and it has a divine majesty, and it has rituals, um, and in ways that we will find out. So I'm criticizing no uh, earthly Christian tradition by saying this, but I don't think anybody, anybody who's a Christian um, can believe other than that the book of Revelation is a portal into heaven, uh, and that what's going on there is somewhat liturgical. It's somewhat ritualistic. It's somewhat glorious and beautiful and looks something like, again, I'm not saying God is Anglican, that would be silly, looks something like what we see this morning. And that's why the world is watching. The world is moved. I've got friends who have contacted me who are have no religion, friends who have contacted me who are amongst my Kurdish Muslim friends, friends who have contacted me of every faith, and all of them are deeply moved, deeply drawn, not just to the woman, uh, but to the rituals this morning, knights standing by and people standing vigil and 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 solemn occasions and solemn pro pro uh, progressions and uh, processions and what have you. And I think that all of this calls to us because it's the way we're made. So I hope you'll watch. You'll have many opportunities to. I'm sure it'll be replayed time and again. Not everybody had the ability to get up at five this morning to do that. Not even sure I wanted to do that, but I, but it was just moving to me. And I hope that we will welcome this woman, this glorious woman, Queen Elizabeth II's legacy into our lives, so to speak. Uh, light a fire at her torch. 
uh, and live out a high courage and a quiet heart. A great courage in facing events because we have a quiet heart before God, a heart that is at peace, a heart that knows, helps us know who we are, uh, a heart that gives us strength, and a heart that feeds that courage with which we face the challenges of our age. So may the memory of Queen Elizabeth II be a blessing upon us, and may we go forth with a high courage and a quiet heart. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular global speaker, and senior fellow for public leadership at Palm Beach Atlantic University. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and Lincoln's Battle with God. Learn more at stephenmansfield.tv.